0: Welcome to ConExpo ConAg Radio, where we bring you boots-on-the-ground perspectives from construction business owners and industry experts about their successes, challenges, and whatever else is on their minds. Consider them your own personal mentors on technology implementation, equipment solutions, business management, and more, enabling you to apply their expertise to your business. Held every three years in Las Vegas, ConExpo ConAg is North America's largest construction trade show. For even more ways to connect with the industry, visit conexpoconag.com forward slash connect. We've got another great guest on the show today, so let's dig in.
1: Mary Catherine Harbin caught the attention of the industry when she established the nation's first all-female paving crew. The area manager and equal employment opportunity officer for Tennessee-based Maymead Incorporated has worked her way up the ranks and built a successful career in construction. As a nationally recognized speaker on workforce development, we're excited to tap into her expertise on mentoring employees, mitigating bias and discrimination, and taking a progressive approach to hiring. Thank you so much for joining us today on the show.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: Of course. Well, why don't we just jump right in and talk about Maymead? I know there may be some listeners out there who don't know about Maymead. Your roots date back to 1747. So tell us a little bit about the legacy of your family's business and what it was like growing up in the industry.
2: (sighs) Well, uh, I'm really proud of my family's heritage. Um, You're right. In 1747, my family was given a land grant from the King of England. And um, at this point, my generation, my brother and I are the ninth generation to live on our family's farm um, that is still an active farm. And um, three generations ago, the Family transitioned into more of a contracting role, an aggregates producer role, and um, we have been in business as our current company for four generations now. And um, yeah, yeah, it's really special. Uh, My grandmother is 90. She turned 90 last month and uh, still comes to the office. Now, not as much (laughs) with COVID going on, um, but it's really, really special to work, uh, to be the third generation actively working. And participating in our business
1: in the company, that's pretty amazing that your ninety year old grandma is and it's May, correct? That's her name, May. May yes, she is still yes. coming into the office. That really shows a lot of pride that your family has in this business.
2: It does. Um, I had not planned to come back to work in the business and you know, life throws little curveballs. balls and yeah. fifteen years ago I called my dad and said, Hey, do you think you have a spot for me? <laughs> um <laughs> and um, you know, I there's no doubt that getting to be involved and see, you know, how much hard work and effort and passion goes into what we do um yeah. has impacted me and, and my outlook on, on what my role should be.
1: Absolutely. And what was it like growing up in the industry? I think that's, you know, there's two unique perspectives. People either did not grow up around the business, like me, I never experienced construction until I was older, or they grew up around it. And I'd love to know what was that experience like for you to grow up around the construction industry? How did it impact you to be close to it?
2: Well, I think that the assumption when I came back was that somehow I had learned all about the industry growing up, like through some kind of, um, you know, absorption. Um and I think that, you know, more than that, I understood my dad and his philosophy and his way of thinking. Um yeah. because he would come home and um, you know, talk at dinner about things that had happened during the day. Um and I was his sidekick. I'm the oldest and my dad does not do babies. Um, and so when I was out of diapers, Saturday morning was right around at that time. And so we spent time in the office and we rode around to the cruise. And so I enjoyed the being with him part, awesome. but I don't really feel like I grew up, you know, run it. I, I did not grow up running the equipment or yeah understanding the mechanics of what love we do. Business.
1: Awesome. Yeah. And tell me this, you bring it up and we just had father's day. Um, and I love that you, you talk about how much it impacted you to be your dad's sidekick in the industry. There are a lot of dirt dads out there on Instagram who I see hauling around their daughters <laughs> on the job. It? It's so amazing. What was one of the top things you learned from your dad? Just kind of an honor of father's day, which we just celebrated. I'm throwing you a curveball. Oh, wow.
2: I was going (laughs) to say, you know, one of the things that uh, my dad has two sayings, um, and one would be, uh, well, the the whole time we were growing up, um, (laughs) this is going to sound terrible, uh, but a military saying of doing it is mandatory, liking it is optional. Interesting. And I think that um, while that may sound a little harsh from a family perspective, it really does instill the grit of, you know, yeah. not everything you do is fun, but you have to do it. Yeah. And so the stick that he demanded and, you know, really instilled in us has really shaped us.
1: I think that's a great principle to bring up, especially as the next generation comes into this industry. It's, it's right. going to be great. It's going to be exciting. It's cool, all the equipment, yep. but it's not going to always be easy and it's going to take some grit. <laughs>
2: that's right. That's right. And then the follow-up is a pin with no head is no good. And so it's a constant, keep your cool, um, we're all pretty type A, um, high strung personalities and, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot to get our crowd wound up, but he's right. You know, if you lose your head, if you can't maintain a certain level of steadfastness, then you're not effective.
1: Wow. And, I love that. That's good. We, we come from a, a very German family of, of <laughs> hot headedness. <as well. laughs> right. So I love that saying. I might put that up in my office. So now, so for people that don't understand, so you've been going for almost four generations as a business. How big is the business now and what kind of projects are you guys doing? Tell us a little more about Maymead.
2: Um We have approximately 300 employees currently. Wow. Um, we are an aggregate producer. We produce granite and limestone. We are an asphalt producer. Uh, we have 10 facilities in Western North Carolina and East Tennessee. Uh, And then we're also a contractor. And so we are a heavy highway contractor. We do um, predominantly North Carolina DOT highway projects from dirt up, but we also have uh, several subsidiaries that are striping companies, safety, traffic safety companies that are all
1: integrated in what we do into the business, which is right. absolutely amazing. So you guys don't just produce the aggregates asphalt, you're actually a con- road contractor and get all the work done. So what does your fleet look like? I mean, you've got to have quite a bit of a dreamy lineup of equipment out there.
2: <laughs> we do. We run four what we call mainline paving crews. And so, um, you know, we have quite a few um, pavers. We're predominantly a cat paver customer, but we have a wide breadth of um, equipment sources throughout the fleet.
1: Awesome. Now, so as Maymeat has grown over the you know, last few generations, what are the, I'm, I'm sure you've seen as a little girl and then now kind of in the, a leadership position that you're in, you've seen ups and downs in the industry. Um, what would you say are the biggest challenges you're facing uh, right now? So I think that
2: it it would be silly to not at least comment on the COVID concerns. Um, You know, it's crazy that in 2020, this is what we're talking about. I think going into January, I would have said an entirely different list of concerns, but now here we are in June. um, You know, of course, keeping our employees safe, making sure that we are using the right social distancing guidelines and temperature checks. And we had, A crew exposed just yesterday through an outside source, and so we're trying to handle that all in real time. So everybody's doing that, but I think specific to our industry, the lack of funding concerns from both the state and national level that rolls into what I think is really the biggest issue of attrition. I think that if we do not have the constant funding that we need from these DOTs, then we're going to lose people that are doing a stellar job and are just concerned that either the industry is not stable or very really aren't, Mm -hmm. aren't sure where their next paycheck is going to come
1: from. Yeah. And, and what do you mean funding? Like where, where is that going to for you as a contractor? Is that going, you're just talking about funding the projects that you're working on?
2: Right. So we're primarily a, um, Public, uh, public contract company, and so yeah. our our work comes from the DOT. So the state funding for the DOT, as yeah. well as the federal highway funding, um, that funds those state departments in a number of cases. And so, um, you know, the drop in revenue, fewer drivers, yeah. has really decreased the revenue from the gas tax in most states. You know, we don't have ready federal bill to keep keep all the states funded um, on that side. And so I think that we're looking at a, a true crisis in funding for our industry on the highway side.
1: Wow. That's very interesting. I, did, I didn't know. And what do you think, Where where is that bubble coming from? Is that just kind of the temperature from COVID or has it kind of been something that you've been seeing for a while, the government funding? Uh, I think it
2: depends on where you are. I think that yeah. it's across the industry you would say that that has been a concern on the federal level. Yep. Um, specifically for us, North Carolina has been very steady and very consistent in the last five plus years. And now we've hit a crunch, mm-hmm. um, period. And there's, there's real concern in our state about where the funding's going to come Got from. It. and I, there are quite a few States in the same situation.
1: What is how are you guys kind of pivoting to deal with the ch- these challenges that you're you're seeing with on the on the funding side? That'd be a very interesting challenge to combat because, are you are you having to get involved in lobbying? You know what what kind of are your pivots there?
2: We are. We make sure that we're involved in yeah. um, a number of industry groups that lobby on a regular basis. Um, so we have lobbyists, but then we're we try to be forefront with local legislators, um, as well as our, our state, um, legislators to, to really express how important our industry is, um, to, to keeping the operations of the country running.
1: Absolutely. I think the, the, one of the positive things that came out of, you know, everything happening in the world right now is that construction was deemed essential And more people saw, oh, there's this career out there. There are these workers out there. They're essential workers. They are building the world around us. And I was slightly excited about that spotlight and, you know, people seeing that. So now what do you see as the biggest growth opportunity for the construction industry in the coming years?
2: Well, I'm going to assume that the funding situation is going to, to level out, um, because you, we cannot allow our roads and bridges to just crumble and nobody do anything <laughs> about it. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, it will take an effort industry wide to get that handled, but I, I have faith in, in our legislators that that will happen. I think our biggest growth opportunity is really in the attraction of non traditional workers. Um, We have such a great story to tell and we have so many amazing benefits and what we do is so um, fulfilling in so many different ways um, that I think attracting the folks that have not traditionally come to work in our industry is really our biggest growth opportunity.
1: I absolutely love the way that you just put that, Uh, you know, I've heard messaging of it's about the next gen, it's about women, it's about minorities and it's about what you just said, attraction of non-traditional, you know, people out there who maybe have never looked at our industry. So that's a great segue into what I'm most excited (laughs) to talk to you about. Caterpillar did an absolutely amazing uh, highlight of your story and some of the unique things you've done at Maymead, I got a text message from one of the branding team members at CAT on a Tuesday. And they said, we have a we have a surprise for you. Wait till you see what's coming out tomorrow on Women in Construction Wednesday. And when your story came out of the all women's paving crew that you built, it just blew my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is a whole nother level it inspired me to want to build a, you know, all women's driving crew and whatever. So let's talk about that because Maymead decided to take a progressive approach to hiring, employing what may be the first all-female paving crew in the nation and opening the construction industry's eyes to an untapped market of potential workers. So tell me where this incredible idea was born for you.
2: Well, if you think about the context, again, it's crazy that here we are in the middle of 2020 and Things have so drastically changed in the last two to three years. But I would say 17 to 19, um, I would say, was a boom for our industry. I mean, everywhere I went, we were hearing everything's great. We've got plenty of funding. The lines of credit are good. Uh, Equipment's everywhere. We don't have the people to run it. We don't have the people to do all the things that we need to do. And I felt like I was hearing this refrain over and over and over again. I was participating in that conversation. And, um, you know, everybody was trying to think through how are we going to find more people? And at the same time, um, I would say a groundswell of women's leadership groups were breaking through um, in terms of women of asphalt launched from the world of asphalt. I believe that was in eighteen um, maybe off a year. Um, and, um, Caterpillar was doing women in leadership conferences that they were just starting to open up to some of their customers where they'd been doing it internally, um, for a number of years. And I wound up in all these different places. Um, and it was just almost an epiphany of, you know, yes, we are women in construction. Yes, we are, um, really proud of our roles, but the rooms that I was in were more project management, executive level rooms where we're all kind of brainstorming and how do we do these things? And I thought, you know, what we're missing is the, the people doing the work. Yes. And, um, you know, there's no question that the technology is in place for women to be able to run the equipment that's out there in the field. I'll so think that there's no question that 30 years ago, it probably wasn't as conducive to women um, doing the work. It was very heavy um, body strength intensive work, but Mm. right now it's really not. And so I leave these conferences, um, I'm going home. I was really it's such a weird feeling because you've you've been with this group of women that is just so energizing and so motivating and inspirational. You're like, Oh, I'm not the only woman doing this. And at the same time, I was really frustrated because I thought we've missed something. I can't figure out what we've missed. And that just coincided with a couple of weeks later. um, I had a perfect storm of several operators out on a crew and my superintendent called and he said, we're going to shut down tonight because so and so's having surgery and so and so's had a death in the family and all these different things. And I said, Well, I'll get a babysitter um, if you'll put me to work. And I said, I'll I'll come fill in the spot. And he said, What are you gonna do? Run the paper? And it really hit me wrong. I mean, it really hit me wrong. And I said, Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. And I had been in the industry for just over ten years and had never run a paver. Yep. And I thought, why? Why have I never done this? And I think that when I started questioning myself, the answer was not, nobody would let me. That's not the answer at all. The answer is, I was intimidated by it. Yep. Um, You know, I didn't want to mess something up. I know how hard those crews work. I see how much they sweat. I know how much time and effort and energy goes into every little thing that they do. And I didn't want to be a a problem. I didn't want to mess it up. I didn't want them to have to fix my mess. Um, I didn't want to be in the way. Uh, I didn't want to look dumb. You know, I mean, you put all that together. And I thought, you know, if I have access to this equipment and this level of knowledge from these crew members every single day, and I haven't taken advantage of it, that's why we don't have more women in the industry um, because it's a little bit scary. Yeah. Um, and we may not feel welcome. I mean, as much, and I know every single one of those guys and girls for that matter by name, but so I wasn't afraid of them. I just was intimidated by the whole issue. Yeah. And so I went out that night. Um, I said, so-and-so is going to teach me how to run this paper, I'm going to run it all night. And I did. Um, I was so proud of
1: that. (laughs) I'm so proud of you as well.
2: (laughs) It's a road that's not too far from my house. And I swear every time I'm on it, I'm like, do you see how straight that edge line is? (laughs) As if no other road has ever been paved, but that edge is straight. That's amazing. Um, So you're kind of
1: saying no one was stopping you, but you.
2: No, nobody was stopping me, but me. Nobody. Awesome. If I had, if I had called up and said, Hey, I'm going to run this, or I want to run that. And I had done some of that in what I would consider a safer location at a plant stacking yeah. concrete blocks, you know, somewhere that I could tool around by myself and not really impact anybody else. But I think right. in general, as women, we don't want to put anybody else out. Yeah. Um, we don't want to be a negative impact. And so after that experience, after the really great conferences, um, that I had been in that spring, it all just was swirling, right? You know, you, you're chewing on it, you're in the shower, you're getting in bed, whatever, you know, all your spare time is just swirling. And I thought that's what we need. We need an all women's paving crew Mm -hmm. so that you're learning at the same time. Everybody comes in at an entry level, you don't have a bunch of men screaming and, you know, cause on the road they scream all the time. It's yeah, not yeah. ugly. It's, it's really a they matter have of have to, <laughs> um, but it's, <laughs> it's really disconcerting if you are not familiar with that. I thought if you lower the barrier to entry, if you take away as much of the intimidation factor as you possibly can, then maybe more women would want to do this. Maybe they'd get the confidence that they need to then roll into some of our other other areas. And, um, I bounced it off of a couple of our, uh, leaders and, um, we
1: decided to roll with it. And how'd it go? I mean, your guys seemed, I I got to meet a few of your leaders. We sat on a leadership panel together and there were some of your male superintendents who are at our women's panel, which I thought was amazing. And I talked to them and they're like, we're the biggest fans of this. We love this. We love what's happening. So it sounds like they were pretty receptive to it.
2: They were, they were, um, you know, and it, it, it's no different than any other leadership role. You know, you know, your people, you know yeah. how to, what their responses are going to be, you know, you know, who's going to be most on board with different ideas. And so um, I talked to a couple of um, those guys internally, but then I thought, you know, it's really not fair for them to work in our company And me have this great big idea that I'm clearly excited about, and them not have to say yes. Right. Yeah. And so I called um, one of our subcontractors who I really respect in the industry and said, I need you to just shoot me straight because I know, you know, this guy and this guy and this guy, they're going to be on board and they're going to support what I want, but I need you to tell me Mm -hmm. what you think about this. Um, And he said, not only do I think it's a great idea, it's such a good idea that I'll sign on to train them if you can find them. Wow. And I was like,
1: wow. Let's go. Right?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, really. And so um, that was Tim Looper and he, he was in the video. He did train them. Um, he did a fantastic job. Um, yeah. And then Chris was also in the video. He was my, you know, find it guy. He's our ops manager. And I said, you know, I I know this is crazy enough. We're not going to go out and buy a bunch of equipment. You know, I need to know where our spares are, what we have. Um, and he was the put it together guy. And, um, so we had a full plan together before we ever bounced off my dad. Um, (laughs) I <laughs> <laughs> took him to lunch and I said, Okay, this is how we can do this. Yes. Uh, I just need you to say it's okay. Yeah. And he said, Okay, go do Let's it. Go for it. Um, and so from, you know, really getting the idea together to off the ground was about a six week window.
1: Wow. So and- it was quick. <laughs> That's quick.
2: <laughs> it is like, you know, w- we don't do anything slow. Um but, um, we, we started advertising. We talked to our folks, um, you know, cause so many of us hire by word of mouth. Yeah. Um, and I, I like to say, you know, we had always said, well, what about your son? What about your brother? What about your dad? What about, and I said, you know, we don't ask about their sisters or their moms or their girlfriends. Yeah. Um, and that's what we did. And, you know, this one kid said, Hey, my mom would really love to do this. Like, great bring her on yeah and so I really thought and I will tell you this was a pitfall of this launching I thought that I would contact the women that were already working for us because I don't want to lose sight of that we have always had a blended workforce mm-hmm. um but the women that we've had I would say are the exception and not the rule mm-hmm. you know they, they don't mind being with all men, or they're the wives of the foreman, and they've been a pair, you know, team for a long time,
1: yeah.
2: um, and so I thought, well, wouldn't they love to do this? This would be so great, and I started calling around, hey, do you want to do this? Hey, do you want to do that? Thinking if we had some experience, it would kind of give it a skeleton before we brought in new people. <laughs> they were like,
1: I don't want to do that. Uh, nope.
2: <laughs> nope. I like working with the men. I am not interested in, the, you know, I like my job. That's why I do my job. Yeah. Huh, okay. Well, I guess I'm going to have to get started some
1: other way then. Yeah. So uh, you were left to start fresh with all We started new. fresh. Wow. New. Wow. New. And were they quit? I mean, I, I, from what I understand, I mean, you're, those women on that crew learned very quickly and very it, was, quickly. it was more of a life-changing, fulfilling experience for them. Correct. yeah.
2: I, I think that you know, there's no doubt in my mind that there's a psychological benefit of accomplishing something and being mm-hmm. able to see what you've done. That's one of the things that I love about this industry is that at the end of the day, you can turn around and literally see the road behind you. Yeah. Um, that have done this. Um, there's really something gratifying in that. And these women came from all different backgrounds and different career paths. And some of them hadn't worked in years. And some of them were coming out of, obviously they were all coming out of different industries. Um, and to, you know, feel the success of manipulating a machine as large as what we operate. Um, and know that you can make it do what it's supposed to. Yep. It's just, you know, such a, such a confidence booster. And yes. um, they, it, the, some of the earliest pictures, they're just glowing. Um, you know, they're so excited that they've done this, you know, big unimaginable task. thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely. Yeah. So you were able to really capture them with the fulfillment that any person in our industry experiences, which is we're building the world around us. We and we are. get to see that we get to see that growth. So now All tell right. me how were your recruitment and training tactics different for those candidates? I think this is an important one to talk about because I know there are a lot of great intentioned leaders out there who are saying we want to do something like this too. But what are the recruitment and training tactics look like?
2: Right. Um, you know, we've used, we started with this model. It's crazy. I don't know why we didn't do this before. There's some of this is just low hanging fruit that seems so obvious to say out loud. Um, but for years and years and years, our job ads have all said, you know, experienced paver operator, you know, looking for five to 10 years or whatever. And at this point, you know, all those people have jobs. We're just poaching between ourselves kind of thing. Um, if that happens, (laughs) um, and so obviously there aren't just a whole lot of women paver operators floating around everywhere. And so our job ads literally said now hiring women's paving crew, no experience needed, wow. um, you know, willingness to work hard. You know, I mean, we didn't sugarcoat it. It's a, I feel like my job is to make it sound terrible so that when you get there, <laughs> it's, it's awesome. you know, it's, it, it's great <laughs> outside work, You know, hot temperatures, heavy lifting, on your feet all day. I mean, you go through the whole thing, you know, but breakthrough opportunity, Yeah. you know, huge opportunity for upward motion in your career. So a no experience needed philosophy. And all of our ads say that now, every single opportunity across the board. board. Um, But I think you have to have an organization that is truly committed to training people when you do that. Yeah, because if you advertise that no experience is needed and you're not working from an environment very fully aware of safety concerns and yep. you know what, then what needs to be instilled in these people? Um, you're asking for a really terrible situation.
1: Yeah. So you kind of changed the tactics to no experience, but you had the setup. You really built a good setup for them to be trained, to understand the safety, um, which is just awesome. So what have you learned since establishing this crew? What You know, you had this big idea, you put it into action in six weeks, <laughs> you figured out the recruitment strategy to get the right women, and and you got it off the ground. Uh, what have you learned since, since doing all that?
2: So I think there's an operational side, and then there's... The, you know, more of a side note, um, answer to that. But on the operation side, I mean, I think what we've learned is that women really can do this and that they really do enjoy doing it when given the opportunity to, to excel. Um, because I've had every now and then you hear a naysayer, you know, well, women don't want to do that. Um, yeah, we do. Um, we just need to be given a safe place to, to learn. Um, And have the opportunity. Um, So I I think that we are seeing that it is successful. Um, Does every woman in the entire world want to do this? No. Does every man in the entire world want to do this? No. No. (laughs) I mean, it's just back to we're people, you know, different people like and enjoy different things. I like that. So um, that has been, you know, one, it can be a huge success. Mm -hmm. Um, But two, I think that on more, not negative, but just realistic side is that we've really confirmed societal gender norms in this experiment, if you will, um, because there's no doubt, if there was for anyone, um, that women truly do carry family responsibilities differently than men do. Yeah. And that has been something we've had to navigate. Um okay. And has really been to me the hardest issue to get my arms wrapped around. Yeah. Um, because women typically and I'm I'm paying with a broad brush. Yeah. But typically carry the child care concerns, cover yes. the doctor's appointments, are dealing are caring for aging parents, are the ones, you know, needing to do the shuttle run in the afternoon if there's yes. not a bus from the school. The um, you know, they're they're this has been, I'm going to say difficult to figure out how to not be so hard lined to say, no, you can't leave. No, you can't do that because they're women yeah, and they are, it's not that they need special treatment, but the reality is is that those things don't happen for their families. Right. If they don't do them.
1: Right. And you're, you're absolutely uh, right to say it is a societal gender norm, you know that that is pretty common not that we're not seeing a change in that but that women are expected to be at daycare to be at the doctor's appointments um i, I had a woman that i know who her dream was to be an operator she really wanted to be an operator and a, a guy at a bigger company was like don't do it because that it's a 10-hour shift and you will not see your kids and i just thought that was so interesting i'm like wow that is, you're right it's a difficulty to learn, to figure out, to navigate, um, is the scheduling.
2: And I would say, I don't, we don't have the answer for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked about, does it need to be shorter shifts? Does it need to be, how can we work through some nuances? Interesting. Um, you know, to, to really help women succeed in what we do. Um, and I don't, I, I don't think we have the answer yet. Um, but it is something that has been really brought to my attention and heightened my awareness yeah. of, you know, we, we need to be user friendly yep. in, in our industry
1: as well. So, so it's not just saying women join our industry, not just in the office, join our industry in the field, but then it's industry. We're going to have some adjustments to make, to make this user friendly for them, for it to work for them to not. Cause I do hear that a lot of women will join and a pretty high percent don't stay. Right. After three years, and I'd imagine that part of that problem is what you're bringing up—the schedule. So I love that you guys are looking for solutions, and I hope we can have you back, you know, again when when you've thought of <laughs> when you have some solutions. We're oh, counting on you. <laughs> We're going to let you <laughs> enjoy right now the fruits of your labor. Uh, okay. um, but what advice would you give to women in the industry? Um, let's talk about first. uh, What advice would you give to women in the industry who are in the offices and behind the scenes? And let's talk a little bit more about that.
2: Well, the first thing that I would say is the operations cannot go on without the support team in the offices. Yeah. Um, I think that there tends to be a divide, if you will, between, you know, we're doing the work, we're you know, out there in the field, we're this, we're that, um, you know, the production side. Um, and then on the inside, you know, it's a, well, nobody gets paid if we don't process the checks and nobody, you know, the contracts don't, don't go through and everybody has a role to play. Yeah. And I think that it's really important for all of us to respect those roles Yeah, and understand how important everybody's role is.
1: Absolutely. Um,
2: You know, we're all women, um, all in the same industry. And just because we wear different hats doesn't mean that anyone's less important than anyone else.
1: Absolutely. So you think that it's important to mutually respect the roles because I have seen that divide as well. And at times it's been disheartening to see, you know, because I love to see all of us in this together. (laughs) Like women in construction, men in construction, both roles are valuable. You know, historically we have fulfilled a lot of office roles. Now, excitingly mm-hmm. enough, we are starting right. to fill field roles. And the only way that's going to continue and make progress is if we're together, right?
2: Right. Well, and to me, it hits me. I, I just don't like unnecessary divisiveness. <laughs> I just yeah. like everybody be happy and go along. <laughs> and, you know, there's enough. You know, problem in the world to not create problems, right? Absolutely. Uh, and so it kind of hits me like the mommy wars. Um, and maybe it's just because I'm in the trenches with small children, yep. but the stay at home moms versus the career moms and, yeah. you know, who's doing what, you know, no, I haven't stayed at home. I, massive props to the women who do, because yeah. I would be miserable. Yeah. Um, my mom did, my mom did that for years. I mean, I have no idea how she did that, um, yep. between her careers, she took time off. Um, right. and I I think that the reason that that strikes me that way is because, you know, in no one questioned for most of history, women staying home to take care of babies. Right. Right. That that was the role. And then mid century women started going into the workplace and that needed to be highlighted because it was different, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: not because it was more important or not because it was better It was just something new and it needed to be supported. And that's the way that I really feel about the conversation about women in the field and operations in our industry now. Um, No one has questioned women, I don't think, women accountants um, or even attorneys more recently or the data entry, the payroll, all of the super important roles, women have filled those for as long as I can remember. Yeah. Um, So that's 30 years in a construction office. Mm -hmm. Um, But women haven't always been the one to put their boots on and get on a bulldozer uh, or start running a paver. And I think that that's why we need to highlight that specifically right now because there needs to be that extra boost of support, not because they're more important. Right. um, Just because it's, it's different.
1: It's different, and it's new. and and I absolutely agree with you. The more we highlight that, the more we'll come into the ranks. And I think women behind the scenes get excited about seeing more women in the field. It's a positive experience. It's like, well, it gives you purpose when you're behind the scenes. Yeah. We're already excited to, you know, I love supporting my guys out there. I have an all-male crew on our in our excavation company. But knowing Deb, my drivers out there, I just get a little bit added excitement, like, Hey, I love supporting Deb like this is exciting. So, I agree, let's do better at highlighting that role, but let's see both roles as important. I absolutely love the way you put it. So, what advice would you give to all women in construction? You know, just assuming we are all on the same playing field behind the scenes or not. What is some of the best advice you would give women in the industry right now?
2: So, I'd like to I just want to start with yeah, you know, ask questions. Um, there are no dumb questions. And what I find all the time in our organization, um, and with the companies that we work with is that people in our industry love what they do. They love to tell you about it. They love to teach. They love to share their experiences. Um, and if you ask questions that are genuine, um, and, you know, really you know interested, then there's not a soul out there that isn't going to take the time to teach you know what they do and share you know what their roles are um so i I would say number one you know across the board, any level in the organization ask questions, ask what's happening um people will take the time to explain that to you, yeah. and then the one that to me is just a little bit more personal is be genuine, be yourself. I spent the first few years of my career trying to imitate the personalities that were around. And of course, on a project management level, they were men. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was like, call so-and-so and tell him such and such. And, you know, you know, brash, you know, men deal with each other differently than women do. do. Uh, And men and women interact differently than men and men or women and women. And, um, it took me some time to feel comfortable in my own skin and to handle things, to feel confident enough to handle things in the tone that I would want to use or that, um, you know, I can be just as effective doing things my way, the way that Mary Absolutely. Catherine would say them. Yep. Um, as Wiley is the way Wiley says them, right? Yeah. Um, and if I'm constantly trying to imitate somebody else, then not only am I feeling like I'm an imposter and like I don't know what to do and I don't know what the next phrase is because he only told me the one thing to say, kind of yeah. thing, right? I don't know what the follow up is. Um then <laughs> <laughs> to just say, you know, Hey, this is Mary Catherine. I need to ask you, blah, 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 blah. Um, and that it's amazing that learning to be yourself is a process, it is. Um, but you know, being able to say, No, I can make the call and I can handle it, I just need to know what the outcome needs to be,
1: right? Yes, yes. Um,
2: I don't have to do it the same way that. Billy Bob does. Yeah. Um, I can do this my way. I yes. think that you earn so much more respect that way
1: when you're yourself. Um,
2: when you're yourself, um, and that's that. That I think that's one of the hardest things to learn, um, and one of the most
1: important things to learn.
2: Absolutely,
1: um, I love. I love that you're bringing that up because it is a challenge. I think we feel this added pressure to perform because we are in a male-dominated industry, but really. The men, most of them are very receptive and excited about our roles, and I feel like they get into a good groove when we just are ourselves. Just be yourself, be who you yeah. are, ask the questions how you'd ask them. And I've noticed the men, a majority of the men around me are very receptive to that and excited about that saying, let's do this. So you've acknowledged that the crew doesn't need to be all women to make it work, but the field jobs especially have historically been male-dominated. What advice would you give men about working with women? I feel like it's a very important part of the conversation to talk about our beloved men out there who have done such a fantastic job at this industry. It's a new thing for them to navigate. What advice would you give them?
2: This is also so simple. You're going to be like, "Why did I have her on to tell me all these basic things? Um, (laughs) But um, I think it's as simple as let us do it. Yeah. Let us do it. Um, And again, we're in the South. And so I can only speak to my experiences, but there is an ingrained chivalry here. You know, guys still open doors for ladies and you don't want us to lift things and all these things that are coming from a good place, right? They're positives in the right context. But there is something about the way that we're raised and maybe it's all people that you know, guys do not want to watch a woman shovel something if they can do it instead, right? Yeah, right. And that is just something that you just have to break down that barrier of no, I can shovel beside you. I it's going to keep me from going to the gym later today.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right. right. Uh, let
2: us do it. Um, and it's it's not because they don't think we can. It's not coming from an ugly place. I think we need to keep space to assume that people are coming things with the right motive. Yes. Um, And so I don't think it's a negative thing. I don't think it's because they don't want us working beside them. I think that it makes them uncomfortable to feel like they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing yeah. on a societal level. Yeah. And so my advice to the men is, you know, I know that's going to go against the grain for so many of you, but let us do it. Yeah. Just let us try. If we can't do it, that's going to be up to us to say later. I, I just can't I can't hold, hold out out here. Um, but you know, hand us a shovel, let us try.
1: Let us try. I like that. I like that you're bringing up the barriers that men might have that are coming from a really pure place, right? They're used to being expected to jump in and help us. And it's like, break down your barriers. There's barriers there and, and right. let us do the work. I absolutely love that. Now, in this whole conversation of women in construction, I know I've really struggled with this because I am pro-women and men. You know, I'm excited about both roles. Right. I, I'm not right. more excited about one than the other. They're both so critical. And I've always loved team, like teamwork between men and women, between my husband and I. What, if, like, how do men not get lost in this really important message of more women in construction, uh, how do we keep them feeling respected and, you know, just kind of admired for the work they do? I think this is important. I think they're such a critical part of the conversation. So what are your thoughts around that?
2: Well, I really try to be mindful in my comments and the way that we have handled the women's crew to not ever take away from the men, the men and the ladies who have been doing it long before I have, um, you know, have done an excellent job. There's no reason that they can't keep building roads. Nobody's trying to take their place or take away for what they've done for generations. Right. Um, I think that we're trying to make room for more people who look different, who think different, and who need a new opportunity. So, the way that I like to think about it. Um, I took my kids out. It was actually just a night or two before Con Expo. Uh, I was getting ready to travel for the week and they love to go to this little local pizza joint. And so we went there and there was a man who was a balloon artist and he was going to from table to table and he'd do a balloon for one child and go to the next table. And so he comes up to Jack, my son, and makes this balloon sword and he hands him the sword and Jack was stoked and he hands a boy, at the next table a sword and he keeps making his rounds comes back through and he gets our table and annie goes oh, mama i'm gonna get a sword and um he starts making this balloon creature and it's beautiful but you can tell it's not going to be a sword and he hands her a bunny rabbit <laughs> and she's this little outspoken six-year-old and i thought oh um but she <laughs> just looked at him her face fell i mean it was visible and she said thank you And then she looks at me and says, why did I get a bunny rabbit? I wanted a sword. And it was just this light bulb moment of she was fine with a bunny. She likes bunnies. There's no problem with the bunny, but she wanted the sword and she wasn't given the opportunity to have the sword. And I think that the point in all of this conversation that I hope that the men will really take away from it is It's not that we don't want bunnies. It's not that we don't want to have opportunities to be moms and wives and the feminine side of life. But so many of us want the sword and just want the opportunity to have the sword, to have a spot at the table, to hold a shovel, to run a paper. Um, And the, the idea is that we need to open the doors to allow women to have that opportunity. Not all of us are going to take the sword. Half of us want the bunny rabbit and don't care about the sword at all. (laughs) So there are not so many women that we're going to take over all of the men's jobs. And the more critical piece is that they're going to have to give the sword because there are not enough women in the industry Mm -hmm. who know how to do it. Yes. So we can't do this without them teaching us, welcoming us, handing over the shovel or standing there to help them learn how to run the paver. I mean, there's not a picture of women in our organization initially, Uh, or as we train more that don't have a man standing there. Yeah, They are critical to this piece of the puzzle, and they don't need to be defensive or um, upset about it. Um, The idea is to even the load, you know, bring in more people.
1: Absolutely.
2: What a great industry we are.
1: What is so cool about what you're saying is that it's one thing for women to be out here saying more women in construction, but I I feel like what you're compelling men to do is to hand women the sword. Don't, don't wait behind the scenes as women promote more women in the industry, come out to the front lines, have the sword and hand the women, the sword, compel them and, and let them say, and to me, I'm thinking about that. If a woman came to me and said, I want you to be in this industry. You can do it. I'd be like, awesome, let's go. If a yeah. male came to me and said, You can do this, which really is kind of what my husband has done for me and said, You can run right. a dumpster company. And I'm like, yeah. What? Right. <laughs> He's like, right. You can do that. was so empowering for me yes. to yes. have a man say, Here's the sword of a disposal yeah. waste management <laughs> business. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Same thing do with right. Yeah. And I so mean- you've had that same experience. And that's Absolutely. more powerful. And so the men are, to me, the most important part of the conversation of more that women question. in construction. <laughs> yeah, no, so the sword, the sword, that's hand, it. women, the sword. I think that's such a great visual story for men and women to think about. It is to really, that's such a good Takeaway. Let's finish up this conversation with this. There's a recognized value in building diverse teams, which is really what we're talking about is diversity and encouraging underrepresented groups to join the trade. What are some of the things Maymeet is doing to create more inclusive job sites and create a more welcoming culture to non-traditional workers?
2: Um, so I've been our equal employment officer, um, I guess going on 10 years now. Um, and so that has really been a a priority for me. I don't like to make things harder than they are. I just don't think that that's necessary. And so our goal is to make sure that our crews look like the communities that we're working in and that we're from. And so because our geographic footprint is so large every community does not look the same um the way that we you know run up and down the western side of north carolina those communities look different the more rural communities look differently than the more urban communities do and so i like to look out and see that our crews reflect where they come from
1: that's great um,
2: and where they're working and so We are not there with women yet, but we are running, I had this number run last week. We're 15% female in our company where industry average is somewhere less than 5%, I believe currently. Um, so I'm really proud of that. Um, obviously we're not 50%. We may not ever be 50%, but we are certainly increasing those numbers.
1: That's amazing. Um,
2: Well, thank you. I think so too. It's amazing. Um, Certainly a deliberate effort. Yeah. Um, And we do the same thing um, for other minority groups in terms of, you know, our recruitment levels and um, one of our new general managers, I say new, he's been with us two years, I guess, um, is an African-American and I love having him on our team. I love having him there with a seat at the table because I think it's so important not only for not only for women, that's what we've been talking about, but for everybody to be able to look up the management structure and see somebody that looks like them. Yeah. You know, when you, when you or I look at a board of directors and it's all men, you're like, well, I don't think anything about us. Yep. I feel like the same applies for minorities, um, wow. that there needs to be somebody with a seat at the table that they can look up to and aspire to, to, to be like,
1: Absolutely. Um,
2: And he brings a really new, great dynamic to our team um, to to keep us aware and to keep us real um, and to make sure that we're having the relevant conversations and uh, to really be a mentor. I think it's really important, if possible, to have someone who more closely reflects you.
1: Reflects them in management. And I, and it's just like exciting for me to hear you say this because I think the inclusion conversation is so much bigger than just women. It is, no diver, it, it's diversity, it's minority, it's different races being represented in our industry. And we here in Minneapolis, you know, recently had our city kind of torn down and, and a lot of destruction happening right now. And we're working on cleanup crews to get down there. And I said, we have to hire within this community. We, we can't bring our crews out here from the west side to come in and clean up. Let's empower the local community here to clean up that. their own community. Let's, let's give them jobs. They're, they're jobless right now. Their city is destroyed. And you just put to words what I've been trying to think of. Let's have our crews look like our community around us. What a unique idea because every community is so different and unique. Let's celebrate that diversity. So I want to quickly just say, I I really consider you, Mary Catherine, a thought leader in our industry, in our space, not just as a woman, but as a manager, as, as just a great working mother. There's just so many ways where I'm like, she is just a thought leader. So I want to just say my, my takeaways quick, and I haven't done this on any other episode, but here's my biggest takeaways from what I learned from you today is one, let's look at non-traditional roles more closely. Let's not just look at women. You came out the gate and said, non-traditional workers, like let's get them into the space. Let's make our crews look like our community. That's a very powerful takeaway for me. Um, Let's work on our confidence specifically for women. Let's get the confidence to not play small because chances are, as it was for you, no one was saying no to you you were saying no to you.
2: Oh, that's, I was saying <laughs> no to me. That's right.
1: So I'm looking at myself like, what am I saying no to myself for? Um, right. Another thing is just to have unity among the roles of women in the industry. Yeah. Let's have unity among the office and the field roles, but let's get better at highlighting those field roles because that's new because that's different. And then right. the, another big takeaway, the last one I want to just mention is The barriers that men are dealing with come from a very genuine place of wanting to help. But step back, break down those barriers, let us do the work. And I think that was just such a powerful takeaway for me. So I cannot thank you enough for your time. I know you're very busy (laughs) in your role at at May Mead, but this was very powerful. I know there's great takeaways for men and women. So thank you, thank you so much for your time.
2: Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Um, you have been such an, a leader in social media and the platforms that you hold in your company, and mm-hmm. I'm just honored to know you. It's and so I, every fun. time we get together, it's whether like... it's it, it's it's like girl time. I know uh, we'll in the construction world.
1: I know <laughs> I can't fantastic. wait. I think I think the next conversation I'm just coming in to visit because I have to see this operation and how you've built this because I, I would love to put more storytelling out there of, of what you've done. So we like to end it with a little fun rapid fire round. Um, so <laughs> what was your very first job? And this can even go back to lemonade stand, you know, but I guess what child didn't have a lemonade stand,
2: right? <laughs> I was a ticket entry clerk in the Maymeet office. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs>
1: So, all the trucking tickets, uh-huh. are you saying?
2: Oh, uh, yes. The stone tickets. You had to enter the stone tickets. And that's when I decided I was not coming back to Mamie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and here we are.
2: And here I am. That's right. Oh, man. Um, right.
1: What was your first car?
2: Oh, uh, it was the Ford Explorer.
1: Awesome. Hey, you were right there. You were, you were, you're car. right there. Great car. If you weren't doing this, what would you be doing?
2: Ooh, no doubt. I would be lobbying full-time or running for political office.
1: That's awesome. I love it. Uh, What song gets you pumped up in the morning?
2: I am just a sucker for, you know, teeny bopper country music. I am a Southern girl. I love it. Uh, So right this minute... Just the Way by Parmalee and Blanco Brown is my jam.
1: It's your jam. Okay. I'll look that one up on my way out today. (laughs) Um, Who is the one person you wish you could have dinner with?
2: Oh, I will tell you one of my just amazing women that um, when I think of impact in my life that I have never met uh, is Brene Brown. Yes. And her books are phenomenal. Um, as I was going through my separation, um, I read Rising Strong and I refer to it so often. Um, and then her her series on leadership. I just think that I'm a better person and I'm a better manager because of Brene. And I would love yes. to have, have dinner with her.
1: That's awesome. I love that you're bringing up her new leadership uh series I just downloaded that and I'm very excited to jump in. I've heard it's awesome. So all right. So we're gonna put that out into the world. Dinner with Brene Brown. Dinner
2: with Brene. I I expect
1: I expect a text if it happens (laughs) (laughs) or a selfie. Um what is your favorite piece of equipment and why?
2: Ah so the 1055F is the paver that I ran that night on night shift. Awesome. And I think that it will always hold a special place in my heart um, because it is the workhorse in our fleet. It's the mm. highway size um, paver, and we have several of them, but a uh, special bond there with that yep. straight line that night. On
1: the side road. We got to yeah. get you a diecast model of that in your office, huh? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so um now, what was your favorite me- memory from Con Expo? I loved meeting you at ConExpo. I think oh, the ed- good weren't good the education team. sessions awesome? Incredible! Was, I've literally been talking to the team over there saying we got to get these out. The, the, those sessions were awesome. They um, were great. They
2: were but what great. was your
1: favorite memory from the show?
2: This is going to sound so corny, but meeting you all—we had never met before. And, you know, this group of five or six ladies sits down at one table we've never met. We don't know each other at all, I don't think. Um, And it was just this immediate bond. Yeah. Um, You know, we found out, we wound up taking a group picture that felt like a family photo. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And I think that it's just so common that when we find people that love what we do and there's there's a, a kindred spirit thing that happens there yeah. Um, and you know, participating in the panel, but meeting you all and starting those new friendships um, I thought was really, really special.
1: It's exciting. Cause it kind of just, you know, your mentors and friends in the industry, they're hard to find and we're all working so hard and to get a minute right. to pause. And, and right. I would say that was one of my favorite things as well Was I got to meet other women leaders in this industry. And like you said, it wasn't this serious business thing it was this bond it was like it, it was this is it exciting was. so I yeah. love that um now here's my favorite question because I feel like when you're in the construction industry you have to have a favorite gas station food because <laughs> the reality of being in construction is you stop at the gas station for food as healthy as we try to be that's true what oh. is your go-to gas station food
2: so, I have tried to make good decisions <laughs> lately. And so, we have sheets. I don't know if they're nationwide or not, um, but they have a little protein box and it's little bites of string cheese, pretzels, and apple slices. There you go. And I know that's not real exciting, um, but it, it is just yummy.
1: Yeah, you're inspiring it's, it's a good, good
2: choices. Go-to. I'm. I'm trying. I'm
1: trying. <laughs> You're our first guest <laughs> firing a good choice at the gas station. I appreciate it, Mary Catherine. <laughs>
2: but, uh, I mean, it enough. goes
1: great with a Kit Kat. Right. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> all, all, all you guys Sorry. out there, that's a good combo. Well, I can't thank Sorry. you enough. I know you have some time off this week with your family. We can't yeah. thank you enough for sharing uh, your leadership principles and, and, and advice and wisdom in the industry. And I, I hope we're going to be hearing more from you. I think we're going to have to start oh, something more consistent here.
2: Well, thank you, Missy. I really appreciate it. And just the opportunity to share what we're doing and the vision for, you know, what our industry could become, um, yeah. on a more inclusive level. Uh, it's exciting. It's really exciting. I love talking about it and, you know,
1: thinking about what's next. Awesome. Well, I can't wait for another episode. Enjoy your week and we will talk soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
0: And that's going to wrap up this edition of Con Expo Con Egg Radio. If you like the show and think other people should listen too, make sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We'll be back next time with another great guest. Until that time, be sure to visit conexpoconag.com forward slash connect for even more ways to connect with the industry.